This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. Ronnie Martin, how are you, brother? How's it going, my good man? Hey, I you're wearing a baseball cap. Yeah, I know it's very unusual, isn't it? That is unusual. It's not not a common thing. It's not part of the Ronnie Martin image. I don't usually do a, a ball cap. I know. Yeah, well, so why? Is it because you're, you're, you're just slaving in that studio with the dials and the levers all day? And I'm slaving away on the levers time? and dials. And uh, what happens is if I don't have a chance to like do up my hair the way that is like most appropriate <laughs> and yeah. acceptable, I, you know, I got to ball cap it. You know, it's not, it's yeah, not, that too, it's not but, a preference. You know? But not if I like, are you, were you going anywhere today? Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of in and okay. out all day. So it's like oh, I had I to face you. some people. I had some meetings. I'm looking at you right now. I'm feeling a little awkward <laughs> with my cap. So well, I you can see, I, I mean, I didn't do anything to me. This is my bed head right here. I'm, really? Uh, it looks good, man. I think you're What is you're, it, 3.40 p.m.? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think we're supposed to tell people at 3.40 that we're, we haven't really, like, set up for the day. That's not a good look for us, probably. No, I've done but, I've done quite a bit today. I just didn't plan on going out any anywhere. So I didn't, I didn't do anything to the to the old noggin you know what though you look good to me man i mean it's, well, i appreciate you know, that yeah absolutely i'm not thinking anything <laughs> less of you at all with that head of well hair. i appreciate that that's a great affirmation and speaking of affirmation of of declarations we're talking about preaching today yes, aren't we? yes absolutely it's gonna be good <laughs> was that the most, that's one of the worst transitions that is gonna that's gonna you're gonna get like some ct award for worst transition in a podcast right. next year it's gonna be good though we'll be able to show up for it's, the ceremony and celebrate it and everything it, you know? it's the kind of transition that i hear in in a lot of sermons actually and speaking <laughs> of <laughs> let me pivot to my next point oh man hey hey let me ask you um when you look out at sort of the evangelical landscape today and you travel quite a bit, you're pretty plugged in, you hear a lot of preaching, conferences, church services, all that sort of thing, and then just stuff online. Where do you think we're at just in terms of the state of preaching in 2021 or just in this latest season or, or iteration of the movement? What do you notice about preaching today that perhaps yeah. wasn't the case maybe five, ten years ago? Well, I think it's such a good question, and my first answer is probably not going to plunge the depths, but maybe it's hinting at something there that we can dive into. But I feel like whenever I listen to somebody that maybe I haven't heard yet, so I'm, I don't know what to expect, or I'm visiting a church, I'm hearing somebody for the first time, I feel like the comment that I most make, especially if Big M is with me, is we walk away and the first thing I say is, man, I feel like they were so loud. 
Okay. There was this, there was this sort of, and I find myself doing it at times, even though I've tried to relax my, my tone as much as I can. But I feel like, especially with, with younger guys, there is a tendency to be sort of loud and bombastic and sort of like do everything in their power to sort of make the point. And it seems to be a little one note in terms of sort of pacing and tone. And maybe, maybe it's because I'm, I'm in a network where I got a lot of younger guys that haven't been in the saddle very long, but that would be the first thing that sort of jumps out at me that I didn't seem to notice if you go back five, 10 years ago, which is just, there's a volume thing going on now that I find really particularly peculiar. That's interesting. Well, I mean, where do you think that comes from? Like, what's the cause of that? Yeah, I mean, I would wonder in our tribe, and we talk about our TGC, Reform D tribe, there's this sense of being passionate and sort of being the kind of preacher that gets into people's face and wants to really proclaim. They want to have a very, like, proclaim, proclaim-ish, yeah. if that's a word, kind of a style. <laughs> Proclamational, of maybe. Yeah, Proclamational you, that's way better. <laughs> but I wonder if it's tied to... I'm not ashamed of the truth, and I want everybody to know that I have no problem with saying hard things that are potentially going to offend. You know? So it's a confrontational kind of thing. Yeah, not I necessarily think that's better. Confrontational is okay. better, yeah. So it's, is, it, is it born of some sort of assumption about what preaching is rather than trying to mimic anyone's particular style? or Because I would have said five well, probably more than five, but somewhere between five and 10 years ago, so many young preachers that I heard were trying to be Mark Driscoll. Yeah, for sure. Who was very much in the confrontational vein, very aggressive. And I heard a lot of kind of mimicry of that. And I would have thought maybe we've gotten away from that a little bit, but I also think maybe there's just something about the need to assert oneself as, as a young preacher to put on an act, maybe. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I Maybe we've stepped away from more of that Driscollian style of preaching. I do think that there's something inherent to young men in that there's a little bit of a bravado there. And I think okay. when, you, when you give a young man a pulpit and they're speaking truth and sometimes it's hard truth and it's direct, there's something that I think possibly inspires a lot of young preachers to where it's a, it's a chance for them to to let their dramatic side or their sense of bravado kind of come out in a way that they're probably not going to get criticized for it as much as they're, they're going to have people that are part of their congregation or their audience that are going to be like, man, I love how you're so unapologetic and you just say it like it is. And there's something that yeah. we, we kind of like that. You know, I, I, I like it when somebody says, I love how you don't shy away from the truth. Now there's different ways to not shy away from the truth. It doesn't always have to be, cranking the volume up to spinal tap 11 level volumes. But yeah, I don't know. That's, I would say that was one thing for me. What, what strikes you? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because I do hear loud preaching from time to time. And I often assume it's because someone has been trained poorly or they're, they're so new at the thing or to be honest, ungifted and they equate yelling with preaching or preaching okay. with yelling. Yeah, totally. They think, well, this is what preaching is. It's it's me raising my voice. And, th- and there's no modulation. There's no sense of contour or arc to the sermon. They're just, they start out at 11 and they that's where they're at. Right. And I think those folks don't 
understand that when everything's an exclamation point, then there's no exclamation point, right? Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah. it's just a bombardment. And I don't know that's why I asked you if you know if you thought it had something to do with just philosophically or some kind of technique. And and I would wonder if it's some kind of technique in some of the ones that I hear because philosophically, I, I think it's good to have this sense of the pulpit being man, clearing the air, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I would have said one thing that I wish there was more of was a sense of confidence of thus saith the Lord, right? And I don't mean arrogant, cocky, yelling at people. Yeah. I just mean when people come in on Sunday morning and they're awash in noise and chaos all week, it's actually comforting for someone to open up that book and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what God has said, and kind of clear the air for us and provide a sense of security. Now, I don't think that means that every preacher in every sermon has to act like he has every answer or that there's not time to lament or be somewhat conversational or lighthearted or anything like that. But I weary of chit-chat sermons yeah, and sermons from guys who sound like they're afraid of, <laughs> they're afraid of the pulpit or, or whatever, you know, it's yeah. sort of like. They're too careful. They're almost like overly careful about every word that's coming out of their mouth. Yeah. 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 You know, or it's a lecture of some kind. Yeah. And I, I wonder trying to distinguish, that's something I spend some time doing with my students and residents is helping them see the difference between a sermon and a lecture. Yeah. So like you're not, you're not presenting a Bible lesson. You're not presenting an academic lesson you are proclaiming God's truth from from his word. So, okay, you're in week in, week out. Every Sunday there's a sermon coming. I know sometimes you have guest preachers or you have you know other guys who can preach. But generally speaking, you're steering this ship. What do you think about when you think about what your church needs to hear throughout a given year or as you plan out sort of either sermon series or just what the cumulative effect of preaching is for a congregation. How important is preaching to a church? Is it central? Yeah, how do you think about the help of preaching or the the impact of preaching when it comes to a local congregation? Yeah, gosh, I wish you would have asked anybody else in the world that <laughs> question. To be quite honest, but um, because I well, thought, I'll get another Ronnie. In yeah, here I know. You, well, you got Ronnie Kurtz, you know, so maybe you can level it at him. No, I th- it's a great question. I, I think I'm growing in that level of understanding. I mean, we, we've really, we're going on eight years and we've primarily just gone through books of the Bible. And so you're, you really are, if you're trying to stay true to the author's intent and you're, you're trying to do expositional preaching, there are some familiar themes that are going to continue to rise up, especially if you're going through Paul's letters. And there are some things that aren't really going to get, get tapped as much. And I think that there's, there is an art to, I think, having a greater understanding of sort of where your people are at emotionally and spiritually, and maybe even physically where some people are, especially, you know, you, we could say that in these times, you know, with, uh, with sure. the way COVID has been so widespread. I don't know that I've done a great job in sort of stepping back and saying, hey, where are the people at and what would be something really necessary for for them to hear in terms of a trend that I'm seeing for me, it's just, I just feel like anytime we open the word and we're trying to be faithful to what God is saying, I think we can have a measure of confidence that it's going to be something that everybody needs to hear. And if it's something that feels like it's, it's become too common, then, then, 
then maybe either we are not dissecting it enough in a way that's helpful, or we have people that are just becoming inoculated to the gospel a little bit, a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I think it's something that I want to grow in. I would say as an encouragement that I've seen guys, they, they might overthink their preaching calendar a little bit. I just like there to be flexibility. And so I, I might plan a series or two ahead. But I like to think that at any time, if, if, it, if we need to make a pivot, we should have the freedom to make a pivot and to be able to do that and not think that everybody is hanging on the preaching calendar as much as we like to believe they are. Um, <laughs> right. And so we don't want to, we don't want our hands to be tied with that. But I, I, I'm somebody that just believes in, as I'm preaching through books of the Bible, also be flexible to say, Hey, we're going to shut this down for a few weeks and kind of move into a topic that we think is important because of maybe what's going on in the world or just something that I feel like the Lord has been pressing in on me. And we've done that once, uh, once or, or probably a few times, you know, in the course of our, yeah. our time. But, yeah. How, how important would you say preaching is to oh, yeah. to your church? It really is central. I, I think we get good precedent from Scripture that it's central. I think even the feedback that I get really is, you know, the, the service is centered around the preaching. I think our music flows from the preaching. I, I think there's, there's a kind of flows in and out, right, of the preaching. But I think if we believe the words of Scripture, then we believe that Every time we open scripture, and we're going to have the most concentrated time to do that during a sermon, it does really drive the church. And I've seen the language of our church be formed around the, the language that I consistently am putting out there through sermons. So I can, oh, that's yeah, so I can hear things and phrasings and things said back to me from people that when I first met them or when they first joined the church five years ago, they had way different language when it came to talking about spiritual things. And I've seen how we, it also helps us to, to develop, I think, a commonality of, I would say, gospel language. And I think that's really important because what we say, it's an indicator to how we are thinking and processing life and our doctrine and all of those things, right? That's really fascinating. And I think it speaks to a reality about preaching that is somewhat misunderstood, right? So I think a lot of guys who haven't been preaching very long probably overthink what one sermon or one sermon mm. series can do. 100%. Yeah. I mean, any one sermon or sermon series can certainly change yeah. a heart of somebody because that's what happens when you preach the gospel, that there's always the potential for transformation. But in terms of the life of a church and the, the culture of a church and the spiritual temperature of a church— you're really looking at this kind of long absolutely effect the the cumulative you know overtime effect of preaching the emphases that yes. you're constantly repetitively i mean that's just what liturgy does right the, the the repetition the orderliness of it over time it begins to change our hearts and so i think one caution i'd give to a lot of folks is not to get too discouraged when you realize that, you know, by Sunday afternoon, they don't even remember what you said Sunday morning, <laughs> right? You know, they take those sermon notes and they stick them in their pocket. Or I mean, not me. I mean, everybody. It's in the, it's in the side of the, preaches, you know, but... it's in the console of the car with the, the, the McDonald's wrappers or whatever it is. I mean, I guess most of my guys can just literally repeat my sermon back. To okay. Me. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're an anomaly as an exceptional preacher, but most of us, if we called up the people who, who heard us, Sunday at 7 p.m. and said, what were my three points? 
They would you say, I, I mean? think you said the word the and and at some point. <laughs> That's what they would say. I, I think I'm pretty safe in thinking that. that You'd that. be setting yourself up for some major discouragement <laughs> to realize. So it's not that that sermon wasn't important. It's that over time, yes, a, a fixation on the gospel, the proclamation of the scriptures is just kind of chipping away maybe at, at some dam that the major reservoir of spiritual affections are on the other side, congregationally speaking. Yeah, so. and I think, if, I think if a lot of preachers believed that that was true, that every sermon isn't make or break, you do yeah. have, I mean, Lord willing, you do have another Sunday coming very quickly. <laughs> to preach another sermon. You know, I remember this uh, this worship leader that I used to work with a long time ago, and he was a, a bit of a mentor. He was a, he was a choir director, so he was, he was a little more of a high church guy, but he really trained me in some things. And I remember one of the lines he used to tell me, because again, in our early days, we stress out about so many things, and he would look at me every Sunday. He would say, hey, remember, it's only a church service. It's only a church service. And he wasn't That's saying that it didn't matter and that it didn't count and that we shouldn't do our best and put the effort into it. But he just said, hey, come on, don't overplay this thing. God can work. God's going to work however God chooses to work. But you shouldn't have this opinion of a church service that, that of which you stake your entire life on every week. He said, because you're going to burn <laughs> yourself out and you're going to drive yourself crazy. And it's only a church service. So I've always remembered that it's only a church service. It's just been helpful, you know. That's, that's interesting. This episode is brought to you by Church Salary. Coming up with a reasonable salary range for church staff has never been easy. There are so many details to consider before setting compensation for church staff, and you're probably asking yourself questions like, are we paying too little or too much? What benefits do we offer employees? What's a reasonable housing allowance? Church Salary believes that offering competitive and fair compensation helps keep people in ministry. Using the expansive, church-specific compensation database and powerful salary calculator tool, you can also make better compensation decisions so your staff can focus on their ministries. Start with Church Salary's annual membership today to run unlimited customized reports and get access to our member-only content. Ready to start making better compensation decisions? Get started at churchsalary.com. So when you sit down and begin your sermon preparation in, in earnest, what are you trying to do yeah. overall? Like what are some, some main objectives that you bring to every sermon? You say, I got to make sure I do X, Y, and Z. Just have your, have your main point, be able to tell everybody in a sentence what the sermon is about. So really what, what I'm aiming to do is spend a long time in sort of that observation mode with the sermon, where I'm lo- whatever the passage is. And really just see what is just what kind of keeps jumping out in terms of, of what what kind of main point that I can build everything around so that, man, by, you know, by seven o'clock on Sunday, if they can remember one thing, it'll be that I just kept hammering out this one thing that, that they there can sort go. of maybe, maybe remember a version of. And so that's what it is for me. And I think once I finally believed my seminary profs when they taught me that back in the day, once, once, you know, years later, when I finally believed that what they had told me was true, it really sort of distilled my sermon down into making it to where, man, just have, just have something that is true of the text and from the author's intent that everybody can remember as, as something that is, I want to speak truth about God 
And I want that truth to speak to our lives in terms of how we can live that out. So you said, what are those essential things? I want to say something true and beautiful about God that relates to Christ that we can apply to our lives. If I can get that one thing, maybe that's three points or maybe that's five points. But if I can just have that come out of every sermon, I feel like, okay, sometimes it's going to be clearer than others. Sometimes it's going to be more compelling than it is at other times. But I feel like I will have been faithful to the call, you know. Do you follow a particular pattern? Like, do all of your sermons resemble each other pretty pretty much? Yeah, I think they do. They definitely have an arc to them to where I, I start out, I reach a peak about midpoint. And that's where maybe some of my volume kind of rises okay. a little bit. There's a, yeah. I think of it in terms of songwriting where I, I, you know, I start with an intro. So it starts a little slow and then it kind of picks up into a verse and hopefully it hits a chorus I like to end my sermons quiet and thoughtful and just really in, engaging with everybody in, in a way where they're looking at me and where I feel like we're together at that point and we are just sort of observing the truth that has emerged and that hopefully can be applied to our hearts and finished with, with prayer. So yeah, so kind of start out slow, kind of reach a crescendo and then just come down. I like to I like to make sure the sermons are down at the end so that they don't remember me yelling or being passionate, but it's more of a <laughs> it's more of a compassionate approach at the very end. But mm. yeah. Compassion. That's that's something I think is missing from a lot of preaching I hear today. Yeah. Just a sense yeah. of the sermon as as a facet of pastoring. Yes. And and I think Certainly, we're impacted by a lot of the sermons we hear in conference settings and different places like that. For sure. And maybe that's not quite as appropriate because it's not a congregation that the speaker is pastoring. But I still think that pastoral sensibility is just missing from from a lot of preaching, that that sense of, I'm here to feed you. Yeah. And I'm here to shepherd you. And, And feeding you doesn't mean cramming something down your mouth necessarily yeah 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 uh, but 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 laying out the banquet and and bidding you to come feast there's got to be some balance there between that and luther talking about beating the gospel into their heads <laughs> continually i used to have that little quote stuck to my <laughs> bulletin board over my desk in my study at my last pastorate luther said the minister must know this article well speaking of the gospel must know this article well and beat it into their heads continually yeah man i know and i and, <laughs> yeah and i think i think a lot of dudes have taken that way too literal yeah know? so i didn't take it as like man i got to beat them up every week i just took it as like i got to keep beating this drum i got to yeah. i got to stay so i mean that's one of my objectives is is just remember man there may be bad news in this text but we are good news people we we have the good news the gospel has saved us, formed us. It pronounces our future. And so I want to see the primary task of preaching as centering on the reality of the good yes. news. And that well, means I, 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 you know, I don't want to send people away yeah. with a heavy burden. I know there's some who say, like, where do you put your application, if that sort of thing. I'm consciously trying to weave where I see imperatives in a text yeah. application in the meat of the sermon or, or, you know, so that I'm not ending with, now here are four things to do because sure. I want them to leave under the banner of your iniquity has been pardoned. Your warfare is over. There is good news for the captives. I want them to, to feel like they're marching out in freedom, not with some sense of religious duty. And, and I get a lot of pushback for that and, and that, and that's fine. I think it's one thing if you just never, preach application or the imperatives of scripture. 
but it's a different thing if you're, if you're kind of contextualizing them, which is what I'm trying to do. Well, and let me just say, I mean, as somebody who's heard you preach a few times, I think you do that really well. We can have one thing on our paper on our, in our sermon notes. It's another thing to like preach something that doesn't, like you said earlier, that doesn't come off like a lecture that, that becomes just rote. And I think by infusing application throughout the course of a sermon, like you're talking about, because that's how life works for us, right? Life doesn't just work in blocks like that. So a sermon, in a sense, should reflect the way that we live our lives, where events are, are coming in and out of our lives and they're overlapping. And, and in, every, in any given point of the day, we're, we're forced to make a decision if, if Jesus is going to be king of our lives or we're going to let our emotions or our sin or, you know, our particular perspective, like, rule the day. And so I, a sermon, even though it needs to be clear, it can reflect that, I think. And I think your sermons, I don't know what your manuscripts look like, but they don't seem robotic in that sense. And, I, and I, that's what I think I appreciate about your preaching, is that it weaves, and preaching should weave. We enjoy things of an organic nature, because at different points, they're going to speak to us in unexpected ways that are incredibly helpful. And I think a good sermon does that. You know, I think one of the things that that helped me years ago was just the realization that you're not saying anything new every week, but by not <laughs> right. saying, but by not saying anything new, you're creating a newness in the hearts and the lives of people because it's a truth that God just wants to be, you know, not beaten over people's heads, but just spoken because that that's how we know the spirit like uses his word to sanctify and to give fresh life and forgiveness and conviction and all of those things. I think you do that incredibly well. And I think I've heard you, to me, I'm looking for two words here. I'm looking for confidence and compassion. Confidence doesn't mean you're loud. It just means that you believe what you're saying. And compassion means that people not only believe what you're saying, but they believe that you care about them in the way that yeah. you're saying it. And I'm just looking for those two things. And sometimes I've heard you raise your voice. There's a time to be a little louder and to be, to really, to have some passion. And then there's a time to pull back. And I think experience teaches us the most appropriate time to do that as we're listening to the, the spirit in those moments, you know? A couple of months ago, actually, Probably, this was back in November. I was out of town preaching, and it was a it was a hard sermon in the sense that it was a lot about judgment. I was preaching oh, right man. at the precipitating moments before God's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, and the intercession, and essentially, it's it's a warning text of what of what's coming if there is no repentance and the worthiness, right? You've got Abraham essentially kind of bargaining with God. What if you find, you know, 30 righteous? What if you find <laughs> yeah, totally. that sort of thing? And so it was a difficult text. I felt myself kind of leaning into the sternness, the warning, the dire warning of, of the text and preaching it in such a way. But I also know and, and believe that the way people are changed, the way people would even flee from is if there is a good news changing their heart, right? The gospel is the power of, of salvation. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it's by seeing the glory of Christ that we are transformed. So I, I, I knew I was going to have to make a turn yeah. to Christ. But, but before I got there, I just I had this overwhelming sense of burden of, man, this is like sinners in the hands of an angry God here. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching. I don't want to make light of the text, and I don't want to softball it, so yeah. I'm just doing it. You know, after the service, this this lady came up to me and she said, "You preach with such kindness, 
And I was kind of startled. <laughs> and I said, what, I was like, that That was, you know, in my mind, it was kind of a mean, <laughs> a mean text. As I'm processing that later, I'm beginning to think that it came across as kind. I don't think I was trying to be unkind, but I think it came across as kind because I wasn't bombastically beating them over the head with the text, but yeah. I was actually feeling the weight of God's wrath is real. His his judgment is real, and it hangs over the head of those who do not repent of their sin and turn to Jesus. And I was feeling that. I wasn't making light of it, and I wasn't hurling yeah. it at them yeah. in some kind of machismo sermon preaching style. And somehow the effect of it was a kind of kindness. And so I didn't walk away going, yeah, it's exactly what I was trying to do. It was appear very kind. <laughs> <laughs> but I walked away going, the Lord uses the preacher who gives himself to the text and just That's a pre- good word. and just preaches it as it lies, right? Yeah, and I think too, man, I really don't discount this. I do think and this is where I, you know, I don't I don't think we can draw just such a straight line. I, you know, God gives men different personalities. You know, um, at the end of the day, I mean, there are some, you know, very quiet men who become very good preachers that preach primarily very quiet sermons to take somebody who God has given in a very holistic way, a particular kind of personality to communicate his truth, to tell somebody like that, to sort of draw himself outside of the natural way God has given him to speak. There could be an inauthenticity about that too. You know, he, he would just be acting at certain points. So there is a time where I think we, we just have to learn. We're talking about, you know, communication. We have to learn how to become good communicators, better communicators. I really enjoy H.B. Charles. And that dude comes unglued at some point in his sermons. Sometimes it's at the five minute mark and he preaches the next 35 minutes, just, just literally like unglued. And then sometimes it comes <laughs> at the 30 minute mark and he preaches the last five minutes, just unglued. And I think, it's like God gave you that and it's effective and I enjoy it and I'm really benefited from that. And then I've also benefited from guys that are, it's almost like they're whispering the, the entire sermon, but it, it causes me to lean in and, and to listen. I remember Bono, I remember reading an interview after he, right when they made the Joshua Tree album in 1987 and his vocals kind of changed a little bit with that record. And if you were a fan, you may have noticed that. And he said, Hey, he goes, I've just been kind of one note in some ways up to this point. And he goes, you know, working with Brian Eno and some of these producers, it it helped me understand that a whisper can be louder than a scream a lot of times. And so I'm trying to learn how to have that variance and when it's most appropriate. And I think that really applies to to preachers. But at the same time, Bono's still going to sound like Bono. He's not going to sound like another vocalist. He's going to sound like who he is. Yeah. And I think we have to be okay with being who we are and how God has made us. And let's let's keep improving with whatever gifts that God has given us when it comes to a physical nature. You have this, I mean, Jared C., you have this, just this, you have this voice that is very, you have a very comforting voice. You, know? You're, <laughs> you have a very comforting if, register. That's okay. just something you were born with. That's awesome. Um, and then you got other guys where you're just going, Hey, Chandler, if you preach another 10 minutes, I'm just going to be plugging my ears. But I mean, I, everything you're saying is golden, but man, I heresy, dude, brother, heresy. You've been, you've been yelling for 55 minutes and I love it. I love every minute of it. And so I can, I appreciate both because of the way that God has, has gifted you, y'all. So I, I love it. I love taking a guy for what he is 
and just seeing what God, how God's going to continue to to work through that. You know? Yeah, uh, you know, I guess preachers that have a diversity in preaching is part of just the the beauty of of the church that it takes all different parts of the body. I, you know, For I think sure. of that with some of my favorite preachers who sound almost nothing like each other, right? Yeah. You know, t- uh, Tim Keller and John Piper and Charlie Dates and guys like that. None of them sound like the other one. I know. But I know. what is it about their preaching that really moves me is they're, they're preaching a text and they're preaching Christ. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that would probably be, I guess, a word of counsel, probably for both of us, I, I would guess, to those who are struggling with this. Yeah. Of trying to find their voice is just preach the text and preach Christ from the text and your voice will out. It'll show up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Over time. Brother, it's been great talking with you today. There's so much more we can say about preaching. We may have to do we'll another do a part episode. two and a three and a yeah. four and a ten. Yeah, we'll have to do yeah. some some follow up. Periodically, just... we'll hit. We'll do some preaching episodes. I think it'd be good. Yeah, because I think guys. So when I talk to guys, it's it it really is a topic that comes up constantly, and it's usually met with discouragement. And I don't even know if I should be a preacher. I love to preach, but I'm constantly disillusioned. I'm disenchanted. I. I I wish I was at a place that I can only get to by experience and I'm not there yet. So I think we have a lot that we can we can really lay out. Yeah, that's good. Brother, I hope you have a great day. I hope you go fix your hair so you look nicer. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to happen, Jared. Yeah, see, it's always a joy speaking with you. <laughs> Likewise, man. You've been listening to the Art of Pastoring podcast. If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at, at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.